Good morning. If you are joining me via social media, you might want to top up your coffee with something stronger or get a second coffee because we are going to be talking about a topic that hinges on reflecting on our mess ups. It's not really a popular topic. It's not very comfortable. It's messy. It can sometimes bring up past hurts. And nobody, absolutely nobody likes talking about the times when we absolutely, utterly blow it. It doesn't matter if you're seven or you're 70, messing up doesn't affect just a certain age demographic. We are all plagued by our wrongdoings, each one of us. It's called being human. For many years, I bought into this lie that godliness equals perfection, always doing or saying the right thing. And as a child, I was really enthralled with Mary Poppins, who is practically perfect in every way, so the movie says. However, we know that not even Mary Poppins does or says everything right. We all have moments where we completely mess up, we treat people badly, we say the wrong things, and we, we mess up. So last night, I googled, how many times a day do people mess up by either saying something that they shouldn't, doing something that they shouldn't? I was wondering if there was a statistic out there that could help me write, you know, how completely messed up I am, and as a result, Google, being all that Google is, very helpful. I didn't nearly get the answer that I was looking for. Instead, I got the number of bowel movements people have in a day. Too much information. Good thing I didn't click on images. That would have went downhill even faster. But in essence, I was trying to calculate how many times people mess up in a day, which seems pretty silly because all I had to do was really look at myself and all of my shortcomings and realize, you know, I'm one big hot mess like everybody else. And it's all because maybe you're like me and when you mess up, it like really, really goes deep, deep in my heart and in my soul. It really affects me. I feel so bad. I am so overwhelmed by guilt that I had hurt somebody so badly. And guilt is honestly one of the worst emotions because it can have the most powerful hold on us if we allow it to. And guilt is, a, is an emotion that David knew all too well. He was a guy, and, and we will be talking about it later on in our, in our message time together. He unfortunately made some not good decisions, and he chose not to face his failures right away. He couldn't even tell people around him that he messed up. He couldn't even tell, like, the Bible doesn't say whether he even told Bathsheba, which was the girl that David took to be his wife after he, kill, she, he killed her husband. That's a little messed up. I can't even imagine if David did have those conversations with Bathsheba, like, what would those exactly entail? Like, hey, Bathsheba, um... I know I was supposed to be at battle, um, but I took your husband's life um, because you're smoking hot and I want you to be mine. Like, uh, I couldn't even imagine what that, that conversation would entail. Probably not very good. Probably would have gotten a little ugly. And we all know that marriage should not hinge on being dishonest. That's never a good idea. In fact, David 
he couldn't even muster up the confidence to to tell anybody for the longest time. Um, he had to be told by a prophet that, hey, you better smarten up. You got to deal with the mess that you made. David had a hard time being honest with others and also with God, despite the, the fact that the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart, meaning that God looked at David and saw that he was really trying to do um, exactly what God wanted him to do. I mean, the guy tried to say and do things that would honor God. And as a result, God was with him through his whole life. And David rose to be the king of Israel, which you can imagine would come with a lot of popularity. Like if he was living here today in the 2000s, he would have probably had the biggest Instagram page. Like he would have had the biggest followers. He would have been invited to the hottest parties. He was also probably not very hard on the eyes. And therefore um, he probably would have been on the front cover of most magazines, highlighting that he was that year's hottest king. Now, we can officially say the guy had it all. He had the fame, the wealth, the popularity, and yet we see in Psalm 32 that it was not all that. In fact, there was a time in David's life where he had done some sinful activity chose not to confess it to God or anyone for that matter for some time. I don't know about you, but I have made this bad choice uh, numerous of times where I have tried to save my face by not telling somebody the honest truth of fear of them thinking less of me and not owning up to something. And when you think about it, it was David's wrongdoing that could have tarnished his whole reputation. Have you been in a situation like that where you felt like if something gets out about something that you did that was wrong, what would happen to your reputation? I think it's safe to say that, of course, we're not David. We don't have all the fame and we, didn't have, we don't have the position like he held. Um, but the one thing is true that we all really do struggle that when we mess up, we can feel utterly trapped by guilt over our unconfessed sin. My name is Pastor Crystal, and I'm one of the pastors here at Eagle Mon Church, and I'm so glad that you were able to join me this morning. The title of our message is, Where Guilt Lies, the Enemy Binds. And with that, let's begin by reading our passage of Psalms this morning, Psalm 32. Would you turn with me? Psalm 32. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, who lives our lives in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand was of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed my sin to you and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt was gone. Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time that they may not drown in the flood waters of judgment 
For you, God, are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. The Lord said, I will guide you along the best path for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like senseless mules or horses that need a bit and bridle to keep them under control. Many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrenders those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad, all you who obey him. Shout to, shout for joy, all you whose hearts are pure. So let's look at the first two verses of Psalm 32. Let's dive right in. It was a tradition of Hebrew poetry to start an excerpt, start a passage with an overall summary of what this poem will be about. And we see that in the first two verses of Psalm 32. David lays out his premises for writing this poem in the first two lines that we can have joy even when we mess up and we can give our wrongdoings to God. In David's case, many scholars would say that, you know, his wrongdoings um, that he's writing about in Psalm 32 was written after his sin with Bathsheba, a woman who was married to another man who David instructed to be put on the front battle lines, a battle that David should have been at, and that man was undoubtedly killed. And then David snatched his wife up, Bathsheba. The full true story, if you wanted to read it at another later time, can be found in 1 Samuel 11. So David, he writes in Psalm 32 that he encounters God's grace. And he is reminded that God throws out the wrong things that we do completely out of sight. Which I don't know about you, but has not been my experience with people. You know, a lot of people like to hold on to things that maybe you did in the past and sometimes hang it over your head. I'm, I'm sure you've gotten into a conversation with somebody and, you know, it could have been with a sibling, a parent, um, a spouse, and then in a particular moment, things get a little bit more heated because that person talks about an incident in the past that happened where you really hurt them and things get really personal and things get really heated and offense rises. And you know what? It's because in our human capacity, we cannot truly extend true forgiveness and grace to others as easily. It is very, very hard. And David writes that that is that God is the only one in, because he's not human, he's God, he's perfect. He's the only one who can extend grace and completely right our wrong completely exit, cancel it out. In verse two, it says, David says, whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt. Oh, what a good feeling of relief. And we can experience that too, that feeling that God has cleared our guilt. And we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but it definitely was David did not feel that way right away. We know that David decided actually to not tell right away. He hid his wrongdoing. And because of that, David was overwhelmed by guilt. It wasn't until a bit later on that David chose to confess, to tell God what he had done. In verse three, it says that he refused 
to confess his sin, meaning that he deliberately tried to hide it, suppress his wrongdoing, and, and with that, his life probably would have started to get a little yucky because that's the thing about sin. You know, David's life, he uh, didn't go to battle. He started looking at somebody that was bathing. If you read 1 Samuel 11, you'll see that she was bathing and Sam, uh, David should have been there at the battle, but he wasn't. He was at home. And then, then he uh, mustered up a plan that Bathsheba's um, husband should be at the front of the battle, knowing full well that he's going to get totally taken out. And then David, instead of, uh, you know, taking that opportunity to be honest with people and being like, you know what, I chose not a good thing. He um, then decided to um, marry Bathsheba. You know what? We uh, we might not have the weight of, of sin like David. Those are <laughs> what we might call some like pretty big mistakes, but there's no doubt about it that we all have things in our lives that make, can make our lives and we make choices that make our lives really and our hearts really yucky. Just like this uh, this water. This bottle represents David's life and our lives can look really similar if we fall into the pitfall of unconfessed sin. Um, the wrong things we do pollutes our lives, making it hard to make the right decisions and follow God, which you can see from David's life. One wrong thing, it's easier to make another wrong um, choice and the pattern just goes on and all on and on. And that is a lie from the enemy that tells you that you can't just stop it right there, plug the hole and confess your sin to the Lord. Because why? Because the enemy loves to make you feel trapped, make you be, feel stuck in guilt, make you feel completely isolated, makes you feel like you always have to lie, one lie on top of another, which makes you feel impeccably lonely. It's like being stuck in a box. Being stuck in a box, I don't know about you, but I'm super claustrophobic. So the idea of being totally trapped in a box would, would, make me, would make me panic. Being stuck in a box, making you feel like there's no way out. So you feel like you have to repeat the same cycle of wrongdoing. So you don't get caught, which leads to a huge sense of loneliness loneliness in your relationships and the thoughts of, I don't know about you, but I've thought this, you know, nobody will understand me. Nobody will listen to me. Nobody knows what I'm thinking. And this is absolutely a pattern from the enemy. He makes you feel like there is no way out that you are completely trapped. Makes you feel like you have to stay in the cycle of guilt without any light, any freedom, any hope. And it's all because the enemy really does not want you to confess your sins to God, does not want you to be open with people, does not want you to be honest because confession brings intimacy with God. And we know that the enemy is definitely not about that. By confessing our, the things that we do wrong to God, it builds closeness. 
but the enemy wants to bring destruction. Destruction in your relationships, destruction in your marriage, destruction in your relationships with your children, in your workplace. He is definitely the king of deception. And David felt bound up and trapped, which he says in verse three, he says, when I can, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. I don't know about you, but have you ever tried to suppress something that you did? Suppress a hurtful feeling or a situation just like David. Have you noticed it affects your thoughts, your actions? It literally impacts everything. And sometimes it can get to the point where it impacts your physical body because you are so burdened down, feel so trapped, feel so isolated, feel so lonely. Did you know that actually this is also the technique of God to make you feel like something is wrong? And did you know that is the Holy Spirit knocking on the heart, on your heart, saying like, hey, you need to pivot. You need to turn around. This is not God's plan for your life. In fact, those feelings of feeling like, <sighs> feeling, uh, feeling um, um, guilt and feeling like panicked and, and, and that is God coming in and saying through his spirit and saying, hey, you have an opportunity to turn this around. The Holy Spirit helps you deal with unconfessed sin. Listen to David's words as he relays how the hand of God convicted his soul in verse 4 of Psalm 32. Day and night your hand of discipline was heavy on me. That's the Lord being like, you need to change this. You need to pivot. You need to turn things around. This is not what I have. This is not the life I want you to live. This, You need to make better decisions and I will help you. It says, Verse uh, four says, my strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Evaporated. One of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to help convict us to turn our lives and surrender our lives to Christ. I would say that aside from God sending his son to die for us, this is the, the second best gift for the Holy Spirit, God sending the Holy Spirit to help navigate our choices and our decisions. The Holy Spirit is literally there to provide you and I a way for us to have a personal tour guide through our life. God sent us the Holy Spirit to help us navigate even the hardest times. But the question is, do we take up God's free gift of his spirit and allow him to work in our lives, showing us what we need to do and convicting us in situations where we need to be rerouted. I don't know about you. Have you ever had leftovers from supper and then they got pushed all the way to the back of the fridge? And then if you're like me, you never clean your fridge. And once in a while, the one in a million times that I actually clean my fridge, I find hidden things sealed in the back that I'm like, what is this even? Is this meatloaf? Is this, is this even beef? Pork? I don't even know what this is. 
You don't even want to open up the nastiness because you know it's going to stink up. It's going to penetrate the whole house, the walls, the ceilings, like everything. You know that people are going to come into your house and be like, oh my gosh, what is that rancid smell? The same can be said about our undealt, undealt with sin. It can fester and grow into nastiness in our lives, which ultimately leads in decay. Decay of relationships. Decay in our physical health, as David describes poetically when he says his undealt with sin caused his strength to evaporate like water. Do you have something or situation hanging or lingering over your head that is festering and growing inside you that you have not confessed to others or to God? Let me tell you that God wants to extend his grace and his love for you today through the power of forgiveness, just like David experienced. Verse 5 in Psalm 32 says, Finally, this is David talking, Finally, I confessed all my sin to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. Like David, we can confess our wrongdoing to the Lord. That means we can tell God when we mess up. We can say, you know, God, I'm sorry. Help me to do the right thing next time. if this will work this morning. All right. <clears throat> so we have David's life, which represents our life. And on this cup, I have the cross. Because true forgiveness can only be found through Christ and what he did on the cross. His payment for our sins makes it so we can confess to the Lord and our sins are gone. When we confess our sin to God, God fills our heart and pushes out all the yucky stuff, all the sin, all the bad thoughts and feelings. Jesus takes them and carries them away. This is called forgiveness. Verse 5 of Psalm 32 says, And you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. David experienced that freedom that all the guilt that he felt from all the wrongdoing, he was free. 1 John 1 9 from the New Testament says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Confessing our sins, the Lord breaks the bondage of guilt, bringing freedom in our lives. No more feeling boxed in, alone, and afraid. The power of Jesus can break the strongest bondage in your life. Now, let me be clear. It only takes Jesus hearing our confession of something we did wrong one time, but it might take days, weeks, months, and years for us to understand 
his forgiveness and grow in trusting in him, in the grace that he provides. I don't know about you, but I want to stop the endless cycle of holding on to situations where I've wronged people and hurt them and I've disappointed them. I don't want the enemy to have a foothold in my life, holding that over my head, making me feel boxed in. He doesn't belong in my life anymore. I want to walk in the truth that God's forgiveness is enough for me and I don't want to be bound by the guilt of him over my head anymore. Just like we say in the Henderson household at home, ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for the enemy to go in there and make us feel entrapped. One more day, one more hour, one more month. Psalm 9 of Psalm 32 says, I will guide you, meaning God will guide you for the, along the best path for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Verse 10 says, My unfailing love surrounds those who trust in the Lord. Will you take the step in growing to trust him more this morning by confessing your undealt with sin to the Lord and then allowing him to guide you in how to reroute your life, making it right? Don't put it off one more day. God is pursuing you right now. The, the fact that you're listening to this message right now is not a mistake. If you have been holding on to something, if you have felt trapped in a situation where you feel like you couldn't tell anybody and you can't confess it to God, you are so full of guilt and shame, today is the day. God wants to meet you where you at. He wants to give you forgiveness, true forgiveness. He wants to cancel out your debt. He wants to show you how to make it right with that person that you wronged? Will you allow him to lead you this morning in your life? If this is your heart's cry, would you pray this prayer with me? Lord, I confess. In this moment, tell God what situation, what person, what thing has been lingering and what situation are you allowing the enemy to control you and manipulate you and bring destruction into your life? And then next say, I surrender. I surrender this situation to you, Lord. Help me accept your forgiveness in my life and help me grow to walk in what that means every single day. Amen. Thanks for joining me this morning. I hope you have a great rest of your week.